Welcome to HR Club powered by Woki.ai, a podcast series for people leaders to talk about employee engagement, performance and growth. Hi guys, I'm Dheeraj, founder and CEO of Woki.ai. Woki is a talent intelligence platform focused on employee growth and performance management. Uh, so today we have a special guest on our newly launched podcast series. Uh, the series is called the HR Club. We welcome Mr. Sidhu Panappa. Sidhu, uh, with an engineering background, has been the in the board of directors of Gojek and also the managing director India Gojek. How from an engineering background turned to the talent recruitment and to managing the whole organization and built a Decacon startup. So we want to welcome Sidhu and learn learn from his experience while building this organization. Thanks so much for having me. So Sidhu, uh, uh, welcome again. Uh, so we wanted to know about your experience as in uh, uh, just a startup guy, built multiple startups and then on uh, then went on to leading an organization, taking it from a, a growth, small stage startup to a Decacon. How was the journey? So uh, can you please put a, put a light on that? I think it was uh, well, definitely interesting, uh, quite painful as well. Um, you know, it's it's nice to say that built many startups, but I think it's more realistic to say that I failed at many startups. Um, and uh, Gojek was especially challenging because you know, the reality was that the company was always ahead of where I was. And uh, it is hard trying to do something when what you're trying to do is well beyond your skills. So in many ways, Gojek itself, again, was a series of uh, failures uh, from which we learned and then tried again and got it right on the second or third try within that context. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a very interesting, very educational and very difficult journey uh, because, uh, you know, it's it's easy to talk about experimentation and all of that stuff and learning through experimentation. But the reality is that it's emotionally bumpy because experimentation is a polite way of saying fail again, again and again. Uh, and learning and experiences uh, is a polite way of saying, you know, extract information from failure. So yes, it was definitely interesting and quite painful and uh, very, very educational. I think uh, there were a lot of ideas and concepts going into into it that we had about how to scale up, uh, which in our part of the world, it's important to remember that in that era, 2015, uh, Gojek was maybe among the first hyper-growth companies. Uh, it was not, I could, can't think of a single other hyper-growth company from a developing country at that time. Oh, nice. It was a new thing. And we had a lot of theories around how we could potentially scale this. And when I say we, you know, there was a quite substantial team of really, really good people who were my colleagues, frankly, who did most of it. Like my job was to uh, was to package and sell what they did, right? And to support them. And I learned a lot by watching them through the process. And uh, what was interesting was that a lot of what we believed in as a group pre-Gojek, something the market used to consider ludicrous. It said, it's not possible. Can't do this in India. All that stuff works. Maybe in other places. Here, it definitely doesn't work. Uh, simple examples being headcount orientation. right? 
at the time and to a large extent today as well uh, most startups try to solve scaling problems by hiring indiscriminately which we were dead against uh, we were also very clear about commitment to quality of work which again is not there at all in most companies today i mean it's there verbally people say it but you know are you proud of your code do you understand what your business does do you understand how your do you spend time talking to your customers oh i'm an engineer i don't need to talk to the customer i'm an engineer i don't need to know the business numbers don't my company tells me those we don't need to know that this is still very common and at that time it was the norm and uh, i'm happy to say that a lot of the theory that we came in with we were able to prove and the theory was extremely contrarian and remains extremely contrarian which it should not but it is right very contrary ideas like why don't you read a textbook and try what the textbook says <laughs> right you have a problem someone's written a textbook about it read the textbook and do that no we'll try to figure it out from scratch by ourselves so that sort of stuff uh, we were able to validate to our uh, to our satisfaction that we were on the right path and uh, eventually i think uh, uh, i remember in uh, 2017 2018 period at that time gojek indonesia was running multiple businesses but the biggest businesses were transportation food and payments and each of those businesses was at least as big or uh, at least as big as one of the players in india and in food it was as big as both the the top players in india combined oh nice right so in many ways it was uh, multiple indian gigantic monstrous businesses all under one roof and i remember at some point we did a seat sort of back of the envelope calculation of the teams in the uh, organization and our equivalents in india individually in each of those businesses combined had about 6000 people in product and engineering wow and gojek at that time was 200 so basically with a fraction of the talent we were running transaction volumes bigger than three whole companies combined and i that's why i'm saying that our theories are validated so do you think uh, being lean helped uh, initially to grow in a right uh, way i i mean i think that that ship is now has sailed for me like like in terms of asking that question the question now is like what is your alternative to being lean exactly hmm. like okay you're not lean what's the plan here hmm. because there's no alternative right 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 i mean this entire mindset of saying that we are not lean we hire by the kilo oh yeah for next quarter we need 500 kilos of engineers <laughs> right next half we need one ton of product managers i'm sorry i don't understand what the plan here is exactly right interesting so uh i'm curious about one thing uh indonesia market that's a I mean, new ha- thing i, I mean <laughs> i mean indonesia was sub- sub- sustaining companies way bigger than indian transaction volumes at the time how can that be if it was a smaller market it is now that india is catching up with indonesia do you think in terms of exposure that uh, or or we are indians that's why we are saying it but in terms of exposure indian market had a better exposure than the indonesian market 
what do you mean by exposure exposure as in in, in terms of uh, uh, i mean uh, being a favorite market of vcs you know being being more uh, uh, yeah. i mean yes and no right because there is the problem always is what is the popular narrative versus what is the actual reality on the ground reality on the ground is in indonesia uh, per capita gdp is 2x of india <laughs> fragmentation is a fraction of india the population is somewhere between a quarter and third of india's it is the fourth largest country in the world by population uh you put these factors together it just makes it a much better market by far <laughs> in india if you build something in you have to build something different for every city if you're building a like a consumer operational consumer product what you build in bangalore won't work in pune what you build in pune won't work in calcutta in indonesia jakarta controls some uh, depending on the kind of thing you're doing like 60% of at that time i haven't looked at the numbers in the last 2 3 years but at that time 60% of the country's gdp flowed through jakarta oh thanks so if you capture jakarta market diversifying out from there was easy but the thing is the perception on the ground was never there in india because there's not a lot of exposure in india okay. to anything other than the us that that you never see it in the news you'll never see it in articles you won't see people talking about it in fact uh ensuring that there was a certain level of education about how big and vast the indonesia market is and how fast it's growing hmm. uh was part of the problem we had to solve Got it. Right, because what's happening over here is you have uh, folks who are considering employment options between local brands that they see on the TV every day or they even use, and more importantly, India being India, their parents see a news. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, versus that, you're convincing them to uh, consider an employment opportunity with an Indonesian company. because first of all you say indonesia and people in india like yeah i know the name but big it's big really and the second is they like first of all i don't know anything about the country second now are you telling me that there is a big startup in indonesia how can that be whereas the reality was the opposite right like the indonesia market is way bigger than the india market at that point in time uh and uh, gojek as a company was way bigger than any uh, indian equivalent at that time barring okay. you know people who'd been around for like 7 8 10 years at that time like maybe you know in e-commerce but outside of that gojek was bigger than any of the equivalent right food delivery anything that aspect communicating that aspect was actually a major part of what we had to do and how many efforts do you think uh, went on to uh, employer branding which actually helped you to attract the right set of talent massive Did it play any role massive it was enormous i mean you know the word super app right right yeah that started as a gojek employer branding thing nobody in the world outside of china market like there were a couple of articles in western magazines talking about wechat being uh, a super app it right. wasn't nomenclature in fact my colleague uh, from my marketing team Aditya came to me one day and he's like, "Sudhu, this super app brand name, this position is uncaptured. It's a perfect name. We should run with this." Fast forward two years, everyone is branding themselves as a super app. Fast forward five years, everyone wants to be a super app. 
reality is what is super app super app is a branding strategy by gojek to explain to an indian audience what a super app is because there is no super app in india right to this day there is no super app in india right <laughs> so it was an employer branding strategy and now everyone uber tata everybody wants to be a super app that was that was employer branding so a right positioning of the brand actually helped to build the talent that was one part of it but i think the second part of it is you know people look at employer branding as though it can solve hiring problems employer branding can communicate why people should join your company it cannot be the reason why people join your company if there is no reason to join your company no amount of employer branding bandaid is going to make any difference so what employer do you think branding- has been the reason there for people to join well, it's very simple we cared about the work nice it's very simple it's a simple mantra at the end of the day no matter you put so many jargons or your you do parties no, no. and a lot of stuff think 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 about it like this right i, I mean this this is you know in the end of the day i think a lot of these things boil down to very simple and obvious concepts that are not obvious for some reason right right why do people work for money right. okay let's normalize that because tech industry the reality is for better or worse everyone gets paid a lot right now why do people work because they like it yes once everyone is getting paid the next reason i'm asking what are the motivations what is the next reason to work because you enjoy the work we had a simple rule we are only hiring people who enjoy the work if you're a designer you should enjoy doing design if you're a product manager you should enjoy doing product management if you're a programmer you should enjoy writing code if you don't enjoy these things we're not going to hire you sounds simple but no one does it at scale right now the moment you start doing this what you also saying is inherently you respect the work and uh, for its own sake in many ways because the reality also that we've learned is you can do in a completely shoddy job of all of these things and still build a really large business right there are no there is no shortage of companies with atrocious products that are running at massive scale right right but the reality is working on those products and those companies is unpleasant it's like living in a ugly broken down house does it keep the rain off your head sure is there a bed can you sleep on it yes but do you like being there no do you enjoy the thought of coming back to your house no do you look forward to getting out of there yes this is how it is the moment you change those factors you're saying look in a market where money is no longer a differentiator indeed it's become a problem because for most people we can't afford the best right the reality is the best talent is hired by the companies that are already not printing machines the people with you know 20 billion dollars of ad revenue in a quarter these are the people who are setting the compensation benchmarks the rest of us are trailing there right so now what is our differentiator if you think of employment as a product and prospective employees and current employees as customers of an employment product what is the differentiation of your product and the end of the day 
in this field, the most fundamental differentiation is that we care about the quality of our work. Because we care about the quality of our work, and this is fundamentally a creative, a craft process, you cannot produce quality work if you aren't enjoying it. The idea that someone, and I'm stretching the analogy here to be fair, but the idea that someone is going to craft a masterpiece while not enjoying it is ludicrous. Absolutely. Right? Hey, I'm paying you, come be creative. I mean, it's laughable. So we're like, listen, we care about the work. We care about the quality of the work. We care about how people feel while doing the work. I'm not suggesting that this is some kind of a fancy resort where, you know, we're making you feel like everything is pampered and all that. I'm not making that case. I'm simply saying we have standards. And we want people who have standards. And the reality is people who don't like their work cannot possibly have standards. Because if you're going to have standards, you have to care. And you can't possibly care if you don't like it. Absolutely. Very, very simple. So our employer branding was based on point by point by point, surfacing every aspect of Gojek that authentically and unforgeably exposed the fact that we care. You cannot forge open source. We're doing open source. You can't forge that. That's a cultural, if it's a for-profit company that's doing open source, And the open source is not core to the business. There's only one reason that that company is doing open source. Because they care. This cannot be forged. In a company that doesn't care about the work, you can take a code base and open source it. But you know, just taking it and putting it in public doesn't turn it into an open source project. Right. Right? Employee policies, performance review structures, All of these things were designed to ensure that the employment product had a differentiated value proposition for the customer. And all that employer branding did, because employer branding is no different from product marketing, right? Employer branding is product marketing, but the product is employment. Absolutely. It surfaced the strengths of the product. If you don't have a product, you don't have employer branding. Right. Cannot. So these were the two pits, I think, that we got right. One, of course, is just the raw positioning game, uh, which the team was brilliant at. But it's very easy to do that and then hit a wall because the underlying product has no substance. You've got a terrible work environment with no consideration for quality, no thought about execution. Simple things, right? You can assess these things very casually from the outside. And uh, candidates and prospective employees are not fools. They can see it. Right. Because if you look at the conversation today, you'll not infrequently come across employer branding spoken about in such a way. You can't create luck. You can't design and build a decacon by building a great team. doesn't work that way. <laughs> Got it, got it, got it.
<clears throat> so uh, i mean what do you think uh, uh, in terms of the employer branding or or attracting the people who like the work applies to the new age startups and especially in this era where uh, people are moving very aggressively and and you know the end goal is to become a unicorn or a highly successful startup in in, a, in, in two years earlier uh, I, I believe there was still, uh, uh, I mean, patience in building the businesses, but now it has become more aggressive. Every startup I meet to just have one goal that in next two years, meet uh, inspiration from Zepto or some newly launched startup that they want to become a unicorn and they want to have the right set of people. I mean, uh, uh, how do they, you know, uh, make up the team, initial teams that, that lead on to uh, make them, you know, not the unicorn, but the successful one? How do you think those mantras can be applied in the today's uh, uh, environment? I mean, uh, do you care about building good products or not? It's that simple. Again, there are no complicated answers here. <laughs> right. 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 But Remember, still, the thing I... is, the, the reality is that the individual members of the team, <laughs> see, there is a certain kind of a delusion and I'm saying this as someone who's been a CEO and been subscribing to that delusion. I'm telling you it's a delusion. That in a market where demand far outstrips supply for talent and compensation is no longer a major constraint, which it isn't. And the reason for this is the rate of growth of tech is now exponential. Funding, no funding, it's going to grow. And the rate of growth of talent cannot be exponential because at the end of the day, education takes time. So that means that you have this kind of, and you can see this in VC investments as well, which again is a coordinating factor, but rate of growth of tech sector is like this. Rate of growth yes. of talent is like this, right. which means this gap is going to, the demand supply gap is only going to widen. Right. right? In this kind of situation, nobody cares about your company and your mission. Everybody knows that in two years, you're dead. Let's be honest. Right. right? What is the success rate of startups? Let's talk about talk some numbers first, because again, this falls into that obvious, but not obvious category. How many, how many startups become unicorn scale? Just let's pick a number, order of magnitude. One in 10,000? Absolutely. One in 100,000? Somewhere between that range? Right. Right. So what is the probability for someone who is an, looking for employment? What is the probability that person thinks that the company they are going to join is going to become a unicorn? Again, it's almost zero. Yes, yes, yes. Almost zero, right? Yes. The reality is any if you're in the startup sector, any company you join is dead in two years. Correct. This is, this is the reality. Correct. We know this because today in the startup sector, no one looks at a resume and says, see, this place person is jumping. <laughs> right. right. Because in the old industry where companies are around for 30 years and growth is steady and everything is predictable, if someone is jumping every year, there's a problem with that person. That person used to be labeled as a rolling stone. Yeah, rolling stone. There's some, there's, it is an indicator of a problem. Today, if you join a startup, there are a thousand reasons why you have a uh, have good reason to leave. Uh, I mean, cause to leave. The startup itself is unstable. The founder is a weirdo. They are not getting funding. They didn't get PMF. They got PMF, but the PMF is not scaling. I can go on like this for half an hour. All of those are perfectly legitimate reasons for someone to join and leave. So today someone looks at it and they may look at the pattern and have a question, but the question is not a judgment. It's like, 
can you tell me why you left <laughs> with the underlying assumption being that most likely you have a good reason to leave hmm. right yeah. the pattern is there so this automatically means that from a, a prospective employee's perspective money is there you are most likely not going to be there you will come and go what i care about is how i feel every day when i work right. you ask me to sit and compromise my design you sit and ask me to hack the code and do ugly stuff yes i mean sometimes you have to do that it's the right thing for the business but you ask me to do that continuously because you don't care yeah. then i'll go to somebody who cares <laughs> everyone is paying me all of you all of these companies are most likely dead in 2 years anyway potato potato i'll pick the place where i'm going to have a good time no? right this is logical absolutely so it's all about people liking the work and like uh, liking working with you i think that makes the whole difference i i i mean in my founder advisory conversations especially in the earlier stages um i mean this is very obvious when you're at seed seed stage right Right. but uh, it's easy to forget once you reach a little bit of scale that boss you no one is joining you for your mission <laughs> they're joining you for you your mission is still a story you're telling whether that story will go anywhere become something is a 1 in 1000 to 1 in 100000 chance we'll see even if it happens by the time it happens the story would have changed it's the nature of how things are right, right. but what is the one constant in this that is going to attract people you they are not right, joining absolutely. your company they are joining you absolutely and if you don't give them reasons to join they will go join the person who gives them reasons makes sense makes sense no but uh, i believe in in uh, i mean the the kind of conversations that are happening that uh, to, to set up the employer branding from day 1 uh setting the brand narrative from when you start a startup uh, to attract right set of talent and there are so many brands working on it but point is that if you are good enough and making people uh, you know liking the work or liking working with you then that that's all uh, makes sense in the so, early days the problem is again the labels that people use obscure the fundamental simple thing right it's marketing of a right. product right okay now here the product is an employment product right and that one shift makes this whole thing as though it's some magic <laughs> but the equivalent of what you just described let me just talk about a product i don't have a product i have not thought about my value proposition to my customer i have not segmented my customers i have not understood their desires i don't understand what my differentiated value proposition is i don't know my price point now i'm going to pump a bun- bunch of money day zero into setting up marketing to sell 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 what am i selling i don't know who's buying i don't know who should not buy i don't know it's like setting up a marketing program without having a product right what is that what does that mean <laughs> right and when you say product and marketing suddenly the entire approach makes no sense it's putting the cart before the horse but because we are thinking job right somehow this makes sense like boss when demand outstrips supply you are no longer offering your job you are selling a product to a discerning customer 
Correct. If you're selling a product to a discerning customer, then what marketing are you going to do if you don't know what your product is? You don't know who your customer is. You don't know who your customer isn't. Absolutely. More about some particular thing I said, you can reach me on Twitter. That's a good way to reach me. Sure, sure. So I, I guess this, there has been a great insights from your journey that how you built startups and then built greater team at Gojek. There has been some great insights today. So I want to thank you, Sidhu, for taking out time and joining us on the podcast. Uh, for all the guys out there, if you want to uh, just have a conversation or if any point you want to take on from this conversation and understand from Sidhu his views, his uh, Twitter DMs are always open. You can go on Twitter and follow Sidhu Panapa. He'll be he's super uh, active on Twitter and will answer to all of your questions. Am I right, Sidhu? Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to say thank thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me here.